Welcome to Unprofessional and Unprepared, our lighthearted weekly conversation about sports, life, fatherhood, and whatever else comes up with no script and no preparation. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and this week, we get to talk about the Browns taking the field with uniforms and everything, college football, and the upcoming Guardians intellectual property battle. I am joined tonight by none other than Phil Denko, here for another Gerber Denko date night show. Phil, how are you? I'm good, Gerbs, man. How you doing? I'm good, buddy. With no other available options, how about we start with you? <laughs> Sounds good. Lord Randall Plunkett is rewilding his family's estate and castle in Ireland. Lord Plunkett was once a steak-eating, bodybuilding, death metal fan with no interest in land, but now is vegan and on an environmental mission. He has taken a large portion of an estate that has been in his family since 1402 and allowed it to go back to being wild. According to the UN, the world needs to rewild and restore an area the size of China to meet commitments for battling climate change. For the last seven years, Lord Plunkett has allowed 800 acres of his estate to return to nature and has seen the return of native grasses, trees, and birds. In the meantime, he has 800 less acres of lawn to mow. So, Danko, are you ready for some rewilding in your backyard? Absolutely. In fact, before you said that last thing, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, this guy, he's just getting out of yard work. That's what this guy's doing. <laughs> Lord Plunkett is a genius. <laughs> I'm going to rewild starting now. All right. <laughs> just, you just let it go. Let's, let's right. start growing back in. Uh, I like it. I think Tammy would actually like this because I think I'm the one who wants to have a nice, neat, well-mowed, well-trimmed, well-edged lawn. And I think yeah. she'd be okay if there were just like things growing crazily all through the, all through the yard. I like it. Rewild. And apparently it's good for the environment. Moving on, starting as always at home and starting with another tribe week cap. It was an interesting, even if not very successful week of Indians baseball, taking home possibly their only hardware of the year. The tribe wrapped up a big win in the battle for Ohio by beating the Reds on Monday. Then they lost three in a row to Oakland, including one game where the A's covered the spread by two touchdowns. The Tigers, however, are still a lot of fun to be around. For the second week in a row, the Tribe took a series from the Tigers, including run-ruling them today 11 to nothing. Sadly, this is the last time we get to see the Tigers for the entire season. For the week, the Tribe finished with three wins and four losses. They're currently 57 and 59 on the season. Uh, despite scoring 11 runs today, Tristan McKenzie was still the big story, taking a perfect game into the eighth, giving up only one hit. And honestly, throughout the game, he made it look really easy as he cruised through Detroit's lineup. So, Phil, scale of one to five, mm -hmm. one being the junior Gemini, five being the millennium force. What do you think of the roller coaster season Tristan McKenzie has put together this year? All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to dive into the scale a bit. I I, I love roller coasters. Uh, the Millennium Force is fantastic, but there's a lot of twists and turns up and down, and it's a longer ride. So does, is that Tristan McKenzie's roller coaster ride? I guess so. I, I think he's looked a lot of looked, up and down, right? I right, mean, right. A lot of up yeah, and down. Like a lot it's, of it's, up and down. Yeah, whereas him. the Junior Gemini is like, all right, did we even go up and down a hill? I have no idea. Right. <laughs> you know, Pretty yeah. smooth ride it's, for a roller coaster. The Junior Gemini is more like the Logan Allen of the season. <laughs> it just <laughs> it was never good and it never got good. It just, <laughs> we it just went straight down. Yeah, that doesn't seem it just, right. <laughs> it just, no, it never went up. <laughs> it never left the ground. So uh, yeah, I'll go with uh, the Millennium. I agree with what you said on, on the pod last week where you can look at that young kid. He's like, man, he, he's got, he's got the stuff to be a legit starter in the big leagues. He just needs to understand the kind of the strategy and, and what to do with what his stuff is, right? Like how, and, and today was a perfect example. He's not overpowering, but he had everyone in that Tigers lineup, albeit the Tigers lineup, everyone guessing all game yeah. long. I believe he had double digit strikeouts, but at the same yep. time, you know, a lot of ground balls, a lot of, a lot of easy fly balls and, and things like that. He was really... Oh, he, it was so quick. I mean, yeah. he had a couple of innings and in single digit pitches, I think. Yeah. He Seven had, or eight uh, pitches, he gets through the inning. And, and it's, it's at one point, he had 48 pitches and the Tigers had thrown 120 through yeah. like, between like three different pitchers. I was like, listening was to it. Um, today. I was listening to it on the radio driving around. And after five innings, he had 52 pitches. Yeah. I, I'm, that's insane. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, you know, basically that means he was on pace. If we had to go extras, he just, he could pitch the 10th you know, at yeah. that point, if we had to, but luckily yeah. we had the, uh, the 11 run lead. Yeah. I, I, you know, roller coaster season for sure. But this is to what we spoke to uh, recently. This is exactly what we want. Like get this kid innings and build his confidence because he definitely looks like he's someone that's in the starting five for next season, for sure. It showed something about the type of guy that he is, that he's been able to deal with all this up and down and has really started to put it together. His last two starts have been great. He's actually mm. been pretty decent since the All-Star break. I don't think he's had any real bad blowups like he did early in the year where he just couldn't find the plate, was walking himself into trouble early innings of games, and was gone usually by the fourth or the fifth. So it says something about the mental makeup of that guy and his ability to stay focused and just kind of keep grinding through the season and figuring it out. And I'm really excited to see what he does for the rest of the year, because with that stuff, if he can harness it and he can control it, there's no reason why he can't throw a perfect game every time out. And that would be <laughs> amazing. It's got to be a record. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's too much pressure to put on the young man. But uh, and also, like, I didn't realize apparently like the nicest dude in the world. They interviewed him mm -hmm. after the game and he was just such a polite, friendly, nice guy. I had no idea this kid yeah. was just kind of this down-to-earth, friendly, polite kid. And it was a lot of fun to watch today. I'm not sure I've ever watched an Indians pitcher take a perfect game any real distance, like live, you know, like yeah. watching it on TV. So it was, it was an exciting game. Great for him, obviously disappointing that he gives up one hit. But good things hopefully coming for him. And hopefully we see that through uh, the rest of this summer. Phil, you get to go first, my friend. All right. Who had a good week for the Cleveland Indians this week? Well, I think we covered Tristan McKenzie. So that clearly he had a good week. Cross two him very, off then. Yeah, right. Two very good starts. I mean, even, even without the perfect game today, he had a he had a great start midweek yep. against the A's. He went six innings, I think gave up two runs. I'm like, all right, great. That's what we need out of this guy. Actually left the game with the lead. Uh it was it was three to two, I think, when he left the game and we ended yeah. up losing four to four to three. But yeah, bullpen so, really really hurt us those first couple yeah. games of the week. The bullpen We could have got great. one from, from Oakland yep. and that's, that's too bad. But so Tristan McKenzie, obviously had a, a good week. I'll give another nod to uh, Quantrill. I think he had another really good start yep. this week. Again, going six plus innings, giving up two or less runs. I mean, this, those two and again, guys, not getting a win, right? Not getting a win, not right? getting but the win. Yeah. Those two guys, uh, assuming that, that the top three starters coming into the season come back next year and are healthy. Those two guys could be your four and five, or maybe even battle out to win a three, four spot in your rotation next year. And that there we are again, right? The beginning of next year, our, right. our strength of our team is this young, really deep starting rotation. So I think both of those guys had a great week. Uh, I'm going to add in Ahmed Rosario who yeah. killed the ball all week long. I had another great game today. Uh, just continues to put together really good at bats, really good, consistent games. Uh, I think he's got his average up to something like 270 now on the season. I mean, he really has developed as a hitter from the beginning of the season. And Class A had, had another great week, pitched, I think, three times, gave up no hits, gave up no runs, and uh, looks really, really good. Considering that, you know, it was a week where they had a losing record, um, that, that's a lot of positive stuff. Rosario is... Um... What a pleasant surprise offensively, right? I mean, this guy is, yeah. is hitting the ball all the time. And I think that puts this team in an interesting situation for next year. Um, you got to keep his bat in the lineup. So you either keep him at short and you bring, you let him and his play second, if that's your middle infield, or I don't know. I mean, you're not taking Rosario out of the lineup. And I really hope the experiment with him in center field is over now that we have a legit center. Yeah. Fielder. No, I don't right. think he's going back there. I guess right. the question becomes if they're so high on, Owen Miller. Yeah. Is he going to play second? And is Jimenez like an odd man out or is Jimenez the utility guy that, that Francona loves to keep around. That was Yu Chang this year. Who's who hasn't been very good because remember you you've got guys playing in the outfield, but you're going to get Josh Naylor back next right, year. Right. And he's certainly played well enough for while he was in this year that he deserves a starting shot in the outfield next year. Jimenez maybe has got something he really needs to prove over the next couple of months to end this season and then beginning again next year unless in order just to secure so, that spot. Unless Jimenez is just still so young and one of those high-end prospects that they have no problem. Like, all right, you're going to play another year in the minors and we're going to. Yeah, could be. You know, I don't could know. Be. I mean, yeah, That's the thing with this team is they're always going to be so young. Yeah. Because right. they never hold on. They can't like <laughs> sign the long-term deals to hold on to guys long enough to get old. 
Jimenez may be old or maybe young for some teams, but for the Indians, he's right about that yeah, time that they right. want to have him up and, you know, get him, get him serious playing time and expect him to contribute. All right. Well, there was a little dalliance outside of the normal structure of the show. Hey, thank you. Right. Who had a yeah. bad week for the Indians? Bad week. I'm going to go with uh, Karen check first. He, he struggled. He, he came out uh, several times, even in, well, one situation he came out and, and the game was a one run game and he, he gave that up. And that's the one that uh, we just talked about against the A's. I think yeah. he gave up the, the run where um, uh, Quantrill ended up getting the no decision, but and then I think we lost an extra innings, if I remember correctly, that one. But Karen Check has looked shaky at best. He came out, was it yesterday, two days ago? The Tribe had a seven-run league. You could tell, all right. And I always wonder about that. Sometimes when you're getting your back of the back end of the bullpen guys out in the game to where it's obvious, like we're just getting this guy work because he hasn't, yeah. he hasn't yeah. gotten the innings in. Yeah. But there's like none they of that. need to be on yeah. the edge to pitch. Yeah, well. exactly. Yeah. You you asked me to come out here when I'm usually I've got no room for error. Now I have seven runs to work with or five right. run lead or whatever yeah. it was. And he just looked awful to start that inning. And they left him out there and, and they ended up winning that game. But he looked shaky this week. And and I was really hoping he would, to your point about class A, I was hoping Karen Check would kind of cement himself in that setup role where you just right. knew that all right, if we get the if we get to eight and nine, man, we're good. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. And now, I don't know. Uh, so again, maybe the rest of the season, it serves that purpose for that guy. Yeah. I think again, he's another one of those guys that you just like to give him all of these innings for the next couple of months and get him the experience and see if he can figure it out for next year. Cause the stuff is amazing. There's no doubt about that, but yeah. he has, he has not had a great second half to the season so far. I'm going to go with Fran Mill who had 10 times as many strikeouts as hits this week. He had one <laughs> hit the entire week. Well, thank uh, God he didn't have four hits. <laughs> a, lot of, yeah, a, lot a lot of strikeouts. I'm <laughs> not sure the math would have come out the same, Danko. Yeah, right. But, I hear you. <laughs> uh, but 10 strikeouts, I think for the first time this season, and that's saying something for him, for the first time this year, this is the type of week we were afraid of in spring training when we were talking about this guy, where he's just going to strike out like crazy. So hopefully it's just you know, a quick little blip and it's nothing to worry about, but it was an awful week for him. Francisco Perez, Justin Garza, and Nick Sandlin out of the bullpen all had ERAs over 20 for the week. So that's not very good. I think there you see where they lost those games to the A's that they could have possibly stolen was yeah. uh, the bullpen just falling apart like that. So bad week for those guys, but looking ahead to next week, Three games set in Minnesota starts on Monday, followed by three at home against the Angels. Minnesota and Anaheim have combined for 126 losses so far this season. Can the Tribe end up over 500 by the end of this week? So we go into the week two games below 500. So they would need to win five games this week. We've got to play the the, the week three games above 500. So yep. five and one. <laughs> Yeah, we're asking them to do. <laughs> I don't know. I was about to say maybe we finally get a week where we're not hoping for 500 and we go four and two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think five and one is going to be tough. I think so too. I don't see it happening, but um, these are definitely teams that I think the tribe should match up with pretty well. I mean, their records yeah. are all kind of similar, and um, no reason the tribe can't take some of these games and have at least a winning week. But I don't think it's going to get them over 500 by the time they get through. I don't know. Maybe they can sweep Minnesota. That, that yeah. could definitely happen. And then two from Anaheim at home that I'm starting to talk myself into it. Denko. This is a <laughs> five. This, one. Here this we might go. happen. Here we go. How about six and zero oh this week is Quantrill and McKenzie starting every other game. <laughs> I think that they are. Yeah, yeah, I right. think that they are. Yeah. Maybe we've got Karen check is not allowed to throw <laughs> yeah, to anybody. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Simulated games in the bullpen for that guy. All right. Well, that's enough. Cleveland Indians let's go ahead and move into another 13 shades of Brown segment and we have a game sort of to discuss my prediction for an undefeated Brown season remains intact they won their first preseason game against the Jags 23 to 13 Denko of all people I know I'm fairly certain you spent the most money on preseason games in your long history as a season ticket holder for the Browns yeah so should we care at all about preseason games. No, no. Even though the team, you know, still charges me money for these, for these games. I'm just happy this year that Browns only have one home game. Like, all right, one preseason game. I can, I can <laughs> nice. eat that price. <laughs> yeah. What I don't sucker. You giving those yeah, tickets to, <laughs> I already sold them. It was amazing. Oh, nice. <laughs> Someone picked them up right away. So I don't know what sucker bought those, but thank you for that. If you're a listener, <laughs> 
I, I don't think we should care that much about preseason. I, I think randomly last year in a pandemic season, the NFL proved that the preseason is kind of like, ah, what other than other right. than the potential of injuring some of your marquee players, right? What purpose does it serve? I'm glad they went down to three preseason games this year. And I'm really, I'm really all in on Stefanski's approach of, yeah, maybe we're just not going to play any of our starters. Right. It's an interesting thing because I think you, you always want to try to take every piece of information you get about a football team and look at it and use it to judge the team as a whole and what you can expect from them for the season. And it's really hard to do that with a preseason game where almost none of the starters played. I don't know, Denko. What'd you like on offense for the Browns? Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, yeah. He he played. That that's what we talked about a few weeks ago. Here's a guy that his ceiling is is really high, and and he he played a lot of the game and played well right from the beginning of the game. He was all over the place. He was catching the ball. He he looked good out there. And if and if he needs to step in and be our third wide receiver or even second, if if we're gonna take the slow approach with OBJ getting back, which is probably the the right thing to do he looked really good so on offense I liked uh, uh people's Jones for sure yeah I think all around I had I had people's Jones too you know we talked about this battle last week between Dearness Johnson and Demetric Felton they both had really good games uh, Johnson mm-hmm. was productive running and receiving Felton didn't run the ball at all and I'm almost beginning to wonder if it's a mistake to call him a third running back maybe yeah. he's just going to be like a slot receiver type of guy or something else but he had four catches for 44 yards right. I mean, and you know the other thing i really liked at least in the highlights i didn't actually get to watch the game i was on a date with my wife it, it wasn't to watch and a preseason game <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't somehow we ended up at a really good restaurant uh nice. that didn't have a tv uh, good for you. Good for yeah. you. That's that's how preseason football should be spent. Well, it wasn't it wasn't on purpose. I didn't know until we sat down. But you know what? From the highlights, at least, I think both of our backup quarterbacks looked pretty good. And yeah. if maybe that's the only thing you can take from a preseason game, is okay. Case Keenum and this Laluda Lalada guy. I'm not sure I'd be scared about them taking over if Baker gets hurt. I mean, you yeah. don't love it, but it's nice to know that there might be. Some quality guys behind him that can still move the ball, make run the offense, throws, right? yeah. run the offense. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I thought I thought that was pretty good. How about on defense? What did you like? Our boy Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa was all yeah. over the place. He yeah. played the entire game. I, I didn't turn the game on until the second half, and he played until the last snap of the game. Uh, and I almost feel like that was because he missed the first week and a half of of training camp. Right. Like, all right. Let's get yeah. some reps for this this guy. Yeah. You know, it's interesting to see him. And I, I know this is where the NFL is going. I, you know, we watched him play in college, but it's interesting to see him out there on the on the field with the Browns. He is so small at the linebacker position. I think the Browns have had safeties bigger than that guy in yeah. the past. Yeah. But you can see that's where the game is going. Yeah, it's, it's, all, is, it's all speed and athleticism, speed. right? And yeah. not only speed and athleticism for, for JOK, that dude's a football player. He was tackling running backs, absolutely perfect technique, driving through their bodies and putting them on the ground in the fourth quarter. He's going to be an interesting piece of this defense, whether he lines up in a weird like rover kind of safety linebacker position or part of the linebacking crew or whatever. He almost seems like a guy that like on offense where you talk about running backs that are three down backs, he's on defense like that guy could play every down like it doesn't matter. You know, you can cover a wide. He was covering wide receivers at times. And I think that's the thing that gets you. That's the thing, because I think if you go back to the Super Bowl, that's how the Buccaneers were able to neutralize that Kansas City offense was they were able to have linebackers cover at least one receiver. And all of a Mm -hmm. sudden that kind of evens the playing field when you're playing a team like the Chiefs that have so many offensive weapons and so many guys who are just fly to be able to take a guy who's normally not in that type of coverage position and use them. That that's fantastic. That, that may be great, man. If that's the dude that can neutralize some of these big, fast tight ends that we see all over the NFL, that that's really exciting. Now, the only thing I really took on defense other than Billy Bosa getting a sack, uh, <laughs> welcome to 2021 big B. <laughs> it seemed like they were able to get really good pressure on the quarterbacks with their backups. So mm-hmm. our backups were going against a number one, offensive line i have no idea if the jaguars have a good offensive line or not but it's still these are their starters and our backups are doing that man that's that's a good sign how about on special teams phil what'd you think of that oh man uh (laughs) i I don't know that i really paid much attention to special teams other than i'm pretty sure all of our kickers be it mclovin or parkey uh made all of their field goal attempts 
even though Parky doinked one off the upright, to, it but did. it went in. It went he's in. in this time. He's, he's in mid-season form. <laughs> yeah, right? He banks like, one off uh, the goalposts for a 48-yard field goal, and that would have been longer than any kick anything, he made all yeah, of last oh, season. Exactly. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, all right, maybe he's mastered the angle now so he can he can chip it in yeah. to the uh, – who knows? So, you know, special teams, at least we were making kicks. That That is a good thing. For branding purposes, should we start calling them the parky posts instead of goalposts? Wouldn't that be wouldn't that be a nice way for that guy to make a little bit of extra money? Just you know, like showing off like he does by kicking the ball off of the posts. Absolutely. Uh, another special teams note: the Scottish Hammer took our criticism to heart yeah. last week. He had two fifty-two yard punts. That's nice to see. Hopefully, that guy is able to punt a little bit better than he did last year for us. We're not, we're not Even punting. on the few times we need it, I understand we don't yeah, need right. it a lot, but. When we do, it would be nice if he was doing it. With all of that said, is the biggest news that comes out of the Browns' first preseason game the possible injury to Mac Wilson? In, in terms of the the guys we have earmarked for starting or first guy off the off the bench kind of player rotation, absolutely. Um, although we did a really good job of building depth at the linebacker position, you don't want to lose a guy like Mac Wilson. He was apparently having a, a fantastic camp. Um, yeah, he was, he was, they, they said that he had worked his way in camp all the way up to like starting like weak side linebacker. Yeah. So, I mean, he was a guy they were expecting to start this year. And um, I, I would imagine on the defense, that's gotta be the position where we're still the, the leanest, so to speak, or, or have the most question marks anyway, you know, cause we're going to, yeah. we're going to trot out a, a combination of, some known commodities in, in Walker and Taki Taki, and then some really young guys that we're hoping get yeah. it together, be it Mac Wilson, Phillips, or JOK. So yeah, yeah, I don't I don't know. That is that is concerning. Um, my biggest takeaway from the Browns first preseason game uh, has nothing to do with the play on the field. And I couldn't tell if I was just being too much of a homer here or not, but Joe Thomas announced the game and he was phenomenal. He was absolutely oh, was he? He was oh, all right. He was like not even like on the local level, I, I I definitely think he should be the heir apparent to Doug Deacon in, in the booth for the Browns if, if that's the route he wants to go. But I think he's like Tony Romo. All right. What network can pick this guy up? And he was unbelievable as as a color commentator. Didn't he call some games last year? Maybe on he, NFL Network or something he, like that. I mean, he, 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 he may have. Yeah, he's he's, he's a really, really smart good dude. Yeah, he is really yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it was one of those things where he was he was calling out plays and, and making it so it wasn't over the head of the of the regular viewer. Right. Like he yeah. was calling out plays and formations because that's what he did in his Hall of Fame career. Right. Like right, he could read. Right. He could yeah. probably read a defense. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, he was really good. I was really impressed. And I'm kind of uh, as, as much as I don't like preseason football, I'm excited to hear him call the next two games just to see how how he does. All right. Well, hey, that that's a much more positive note for ending this segment of the show than I was going to be on after talking about Mac Wilson, who had an MRI on his shoulder today. They didn't yeah. have any other information to provide, but good on Joe Thomas, man. Uh, all the success in the world for that guy, man. I'd love to see him make the jump to the national stage to call games. But Danko, let's keep this show rolling along. We'll go ahead and close out our at-home segment, take our first break, and head out on the road unprofessional and unprepared is brought to you by hummus snack time can be trouble for any waistline we all know chips cheetos and cheese are bad choices for any guy looking to keep it tight but even the most disciplined snackers can get caught in an unhealthy trap when they try to keep it healthy with veggies and dips those dips can be high in fat calories and cholesterol that's right even your carrot sticks and celery sticks are carrying junk to your gut when dipped in ranch, blue cheese, or delicious queso. That's why we here at Unprofessional and Unprepared are proud to dip our sticks in hummus. Hummus is the low-cal, low-fat, low-good snack topping for the active mid-40s male. Made of equal parts dirt and water, hummus is the perfect dip for any diet. Healthy and high in grit, hummus helps you stay on point and reminds you how much you love plain carrots. You can even get hummus in assorted flavors like garlic dirt, sun-roasted tomato dirt, and spicy dirt. So drop those creamy, delicious dips and get healthy and dirty with hummus. Hummus, it's dirt for your food. Welcome back, Phil, to our second segment. We'll head out on the road. And as the official medical score correspondent for the show, uh, I thought it would be a good place to start in the NFL 
and talk about some of the guys who are going to be coming back from big time injuries last year or just losing the season to injuries and may have an impact on their teams this year. So I'd just like to know, going through this list of guys, what kind of season you expect them to have based on the injuries they had or maybe the situations that they're in. But first one and a big one, actually, they're all pretty big names, the guys that are coming back. But uh, Saquon Barkley will be back from an ACL injury that he suffered last season. So what kind of season would you expect to see or are you expecting to see from Saquon? Do you remember when did his injury occur? Was it really early in the season last year? It was that it I, may have been preseason even, or it may have been I, training I think, camp or something. I, I or, seem to or recall if it wasn't. It, it was early, yeah, really early in the year, like even earlier than OBJ's. I think I, I'm pretty sure. Oh, for anyway, sure. So to answer your question, I, I OBJ was like week six or seven though. Wasn't yeah, it? it was against the uh, after the Cowboys game. It was a game after that. So yeah, yeah. it was yeah, it was you know a third of the way through the season. But typically, what has happened? Well, historically, what has happened? Uh, obviously, Saquon Barkley is a physical freak of nature, right? I mean, the guy is he is just a freak. So if there's a guy to come back from that from a musculoskeletal standpoint, he's that guy. This is kind of quick. Uh, if if he's going to have a, a legit, you know. Pro Bowl type season. That would be impressive. It's usually the second season back after these kind of injuries that you see the guy return to form, at least the, the elite form that they had. But you know, that's why I asked when when it happened, if you had remembered, because I feel like, all right, if he's already nine, 10 months, maybe even 11 months out from his injury, he might be fine this year. We might see the regular Saquon. It's interesting. The, the rehab is so accelerated these days. And I think you take into effect that, or into account that this guy is just a physical freak of nature. He might be all right, but historically it's the second year back. September 20 oh, last okay. year was the date of the injury. Okay. So he's 11 months. He's 11 yeah. months post-injury. As long as- Do you want to redo everything you just no, said? No, 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 no. <laughs> and then that kind of falls into what I was saying. I think if, if it was almost a year ago, we may see, and, and maybe the Giants- practice some sort of load management with him early on in the season. I don't know. He may not see the field in the preseason. I don't know if he has already or not either, you know, and, and see how he does and, and, and get his reps back up and get him into game shape. You know, the integrity of that repair and, and his leg strength is probably hundred percent at this point. All right. Interesting. I, I get so nervous about running backs coming back from that type of injury and still having the same kind of power and speed. Because it's something that he relies on so much in his game. And uh, I always worry about that. But interesting, interesting take on that. Okay, how about another big one? Dak Prescott, compound fracture and dislocation of his ankle. Can we expect to see him back, do you think? And what kind of season can this guy have? I don't know that he's going to miss any games. Are they reporting that he's going to miss any games? I think uh, it's just that he hasn't done anything in camp other than light throwing he's not even participating in drills i don't think mm -hmm. so and maybe they're just bringing him along really slowly for the same reason you talked about earlier in the show why are we playing starters in preseason mm -hmm. games if right. we don't need to you know i don't know the injury to this detail i don't know if it's his plant foot or his front foot that would make a difference you know that kind of injury is graphic as it was and that was definitely later in the season but a different yeah. a completely different type of injury there's certainly there's soft tissue injury involved with that. It was a compound fracture. So you're tearing through all sorts of connective tissue, but it's a completely different kind of injury than a, a cruciate ligament injury to the knee. Uh, in terms of the length of recovery, a lot of the bone, his bone healing is, is complete at this point. So again, it would, it would kind of matter, not kind of, it would definitely matter which leg it was. And you, you know, is it his plant foot? Is it, it is his front foot? God, I had no idea the preparation I needed to do yeah. to get you the information you needed for this segment, man. That's, that's well, bad on me. Sorry so about that. I, I could take a, a more general approach and say, I think he's, he's probably in line to have a pretty, pretty good season. It's not like he was a a running quarterback. I mean, he's a, he's a mobile quarterback, but yeah. he wasn't, a, he, but that's he's, not really his thing, right? right. That's he's not a pocket really passing. Yeah. Exactly. Quick release, you know, get the ball yeah. downfield. So I think he can get back to his game. Uh, as long as he's not having any pain or, and is back to full strength, he's, he's going to be ready to go at the start of the season. Yeah. With no medical training at all. That was my sense too. <laughs> Good job, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rethink what you're still paying for that degree. Danko. <laughs> all right. Nick Bosa. Defensive end for the San Francisco 49ers tore his ACL. And while you were rambling on about Prescott, I looked it up. And oddly enough, September 20th, 2020 was the day that he tore really? his ACL. Yeah. Wow. Um, That's really weird. That was a bad day for ACLs. In yeah. What was happening that day? <laughs> so, so just repeat what I said for Saquon. <laughs> okay. 
because <laughs> Bosa also a freak of nature, completely different position, right? Um, you know, power and strength, not as much start and stop cut that kind of thing right so well I, speed I, is his oh, thing i mean oh, Bosa absolutely. Is like so fast that's what makes him i think but like the key to making him as great as he is is his speed and again with no medical yeah. training whatsoever my concern always is if he loses a step how much does that change his game I don't think young athletes, especially these phenomenal athletes, like we're talking about, I don't think they lose a step anymore after these kind of injuries like that, that used to okay. happen, right. That used to happen in the sixties, seventies, eighties, that kind of thing. And, and now they don't lose a step in terms of speed and power because they don't clear them to get back until they've regained their previous level. Everything is, is objective. Now they've got tests and measures on these guys since the minute they come into the league. So they know where they're at. So again, I, I would give Bosa maybe an edge on Saquon in terms of getting back to his previous level just because of the position he plays. Last one, Christian McCaffrey, who didn't really have any single major injuries, but was banged up and actually missed 13 games last season. That's kind of the cumulative effect of a bunch of things going on. Yeah, um, yeah. And the type of player he is. So, I, okay, I see what, where you're going with this because it's here's a guy that he is that three-down player, right? He never right. comes off the field. Right. Like you're, you're, he's catching the ball to the backfield. He's running the ball. He's got get the ball into his hands as many plays as you can for, for those guys. If he's feeling any of the ill effects of the 20 some injuries that knocked him out last year, you know, I don't know that that could be, I hope it's not, but this could be an example of a guy who his game is predicated upon being that three down player. If he's just not that player anymore, is he really not a top tier running back? And that could be now if he's healthy, all right, get him out there because just get the ball in his hands. Right. Um, yeah. So that'll be interesting. I, I think we'll know the answer to that pretty quickly. Maybe the first four games of the season, as we see him play, if, if he's coming out a lot, if you know, th that's not his game, he needs to be out there. That was my concern too, is, is, is this a guy that just isn't going to hold up? He's not like a huge dude. You know, he's not like a real big guy. He's not, he's not nothing. He's not OBJ or something like that. He's not built like a receiver, but did you just call OBJ nothing? <laughs> Man, <laughs> he, is, he is calling into this podcast for sure. Damn it. <laughs> I just mean, he's not like a humongous dude. He's not Saquon, yeah. you know, he's not like yeah, a right. big body dude. And you worry about those guys, especially if there's something like McCaffrey, who is touching the ball on a ridiculous number of plays mm. every game because you're throwing it to him and you're handing it off to him. And he's just, he's just involved. He's a goal line guy for you in every way possible. Is his body just not holding up? And was last season, the first time we really saw that start happening for him. And is it going to continue? I guess would be my concern for him. There you go. Four guys who I think are coming back that I would think are all going to still have pretty big impacts for their teams. But moving on, let's talk about the AFC West, because this is another division where the Browns will play everyone in the division, Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders, and Broncos. So, Phil, barring an injury, is there any chance someone other than the Chiefs wins the AFC West this season? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, if everyone stays relatively healthy, that's the Chiefs division. Yeah, it's, it's tough to see. And it, you know what? It really probably would need to be an injury to Mahomes mm -hmm. or, yeah. or an injury to multiple other starters on either side of the ball that in order for them to to slip down anywhere besides first place in that division, I agree yeah. with you. So what team do you think might break out and be surprisingly good? All right. So we got the Chiefs at the top. Then we got, let's see, Chargers, Raiders, Broncos. Broncos. So surprisingly good. I don't know if it's a big surprise if the Chargers are good. I think they were kind of, that was the trajectory they were on last year with uh, their young quarterback. What's his name? Uh, Justin remember. Herbert. Herbert. Yeah. It's not a bear. It's Herbert. No, 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 no. It's hard <laughs> yeah. H. Hard yeah, H. Right. <laughs> Herbert. I, I don't know if that's a big surprise, but they, they could be that. All right. Hey, maybe they get a wild card spot. I think it would be a bigger surprise if the Raiders or the Broncos ended up in second place. Yeah, the Chargers were the team I was thinking of too, because it seems like they're they're that team that's ready to take the leap from being pretty good to being a playoff team. Although they do have a new head coach this year, and so that's always changing things that you know that may take them some time to to get a little bit more used to. Who do you think is going to finish last? I'm going to go with the Broncos. I don't know why. I'm just picking the Broncos. <laughs> Well, I think you made the right choice because I went with the Broncos too. Uh, their quarterback situation is a mess. And I'll tell you what, the Raiders, I don't think are that shitty. The Raiders yeah. have some good pieces on offense. I'm not sure about like the Mayock Gruden front yeah. office head coach situation. It's I don't know if Gruden has become the Larusa of 
the NFL. Like, well, I don't know, man. You were awesome. might be hoisting a trophy this year. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I still don't think that's because of Larusa. But no. anyway, <laughs> the, I think the Raiders should be a good, solid team. I actually think there's three good teams in this division, and the Broncos just because I think of their quarterback situation, and I think that defense that used to be so good is really starting to get kind of old. Broncos seem to be the one that'll be at the bottom. It is, I think, a pretty good division. Is this division as good or better than the AFC North? It's not better. I, I could see the argument for as good because maybe you put the Chiefs. The Chiefs are slightly better than the best team in the AFC North. I think maybe, maybe more than slightly. I mean, well, okay. Well, you know, hey, somebody's hey, got to hey, beat hey. the, the somebody's Cleveland beat Browns the were within five points of proving <laughs> yeah. otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, yeah, I, you're right. So again, everyone being healthy, they right. are probably a good level above the best team in the AFC North. But I think the Browns, the Ravens, and maybe even a last chance Steelers team, that three team group is better than the Chargers and the Raiders. And then the Bengals are better than the Broncos. So, you know, it's kind of a weird, like they're, they're, they're a little bit top heavy, I guess, relative to the AFC North. But then I think the AFC North is better as you go through it. And it's because like our shitty team is better than their shitty team. Right. That's really what it right. comes down to. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I think we have the Browns and the Ravens. Both of those teams are better than anyone after the chiefs in that division. I, I agree with you on that for sure. Yeah. And I, I think you're probably right. It, it is a tough division though. This is not going to oh, be. Yeah an easy run through those games for the Browns at all or for anybody else in the division. So, I mean, it's you know kind of unlucky that that's a draw we got this year, but should be some good games, I think. Mm -hmm. Moving away from the pro game, and let's talk a little college because over the weekend, news started to float around about an alliance between the Pac-12, the ACC, and the Big Ten. It would be a scheduling alliance. I just think it's funny that they call it an alliance, but it's a scheduling alliance not a merger yet. The plan is to create matchups during the season that will rival the growing dominance of the SEC and TV revenue. So, Phil, what do you think about this potential alliance and what's in it for the Big Ten? So go through that again. It's a Big Ten, Pac-12, and who else? ACC. All right. So you get maybe out of the Pac-12 and the ACC, you might get one team from each of those conferences that could eke into the top 10 in any given year in college football? Well, I mean, you've got uh, the, the PAC 12 has, like has Oregon. Oregon. Yeah. 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 So and, and the, Oregon's a preseason ranked in the top 10. <laughs> they're yeah. the one. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> they got one. <laughs> At least ESPN's preseason top 10 has Clemson, North Carolina, and Oh, not Oregon. Clemson and North Carolina, no teams from the Pac-12. <laughs> so again, mathematically, I think I was right on with yeah, my Yeah, I think take. you're pretty close, yeah. <laughs> so, all right, so let, let's say between those two conferences, somehow there's three teams that that are in the top 10, which is okay, that, that's fine. Um, because again, how many teams from the Big Ten are in the top 10? Uh, you know, maybe that's two more teams, right? Right. To your question, what, what does this mean for the Big Ten is the alliance, as it's been stated, allows a team like Ohio state, if they're going to do, I don't know that they would, but if they're going to do this, your, your, your home and home is against another top 10 team. That's important, I guess, but I don't know. It, no, it, I think you're, I think you are walking into the problem the here. Trouble. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Is that right. all of a sudden, instead of playing Miami of Ohio at the beginning yeah. of the year, Ohio state's got to play somebody awesome like Clemson or something like that. And is, is this just making it harder for any team in these three conferences to get into the national playoff? Well, I don't know, because if you think about the, the way they used to, you know, when it was the BCS, you couldn't afford a loss. Or if you lost, it had better been against a team in the top four. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. I mean, Ohio State, I think, survived that losing to a, a Texas that was ranked one or two at the time or something right, like that right. and ran the table. But now, you know, as they, they don't even release these standings and let's say they stick with the four game or the four team playoff for, for the next few seasons. Anyway, I would imagine that's yeah. going to expand here in the near future too. It might be more important to actually play a stronger schedule so that you can survive a loss or two. I guess it's a weird perspective because I'm taking the perspective of as an Ohio state fan and you're one of the haves rather than the haves not. It's like we're the Ohio state is like, it's a weird year that they're not in the top four. Right. Well, yeah. And that's, again, that's another, it's another way of looking at it. It's almost like in my mind, the, is the big 10 dating down yeah. with the ACC and the pac 12, <laughs> you know, like, well, I don't, like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly not in the, in the ACC yeah. and the pac 12. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think the Big those Ten Minnesota is dragging girls, that, that, that dating pool down if I had to predict there. <laughs> but uh, figuratively dating yeah, down yeah, because you. really this is all about football. None, none mm-hmm. of this is about ratings for basketball or anything right. like that. It's all about football. And the Big Ten is definitely a more preeminent football conference than either the Pac-12 or the ACC at this point. I mean, the ACC without Clemson um, is not much to get excited about football wise, you know? So why even do this? Why, Why do an alliance rather than going out and grabbing good teams from other conferences? And the Big Ten is 14 teams right now. So it's obviously no longer the Big Ten. hasn't been for a really long time. Just add some pieces like that to grow the conference without doing this. This seems like a weird choice. So to that point, it it would almost seem like the Big Ten would be better. And maybe they tried this and just couldn't come to an agreement. The Big Ten would be better to add a Notre Dame to its conference than go out there and make this alliance and hope that Oregon's in the top 10 and hope that Clemson yeah. is yeah that's right or or, Although, or go grab or go grab a Clemson right well why not why would that would Clemson be even leave better. the right. ACC for right. football purposes the Big Ten still a good basketball conference in fact it'd probably be better for Clemson to be playing in the Big Ten than to be playing in the ACC in basketball yeah yeah um, that's a that's an interesting point that would be and how much fun would that make it? you put yeah. them in the division opposite Ohio State that would rival the SEC pretty quickly right I mean yeah. It would yeah. be it would be getting there anyway. I, I think the SEC still goes a little deeper uh, than the top few teams in that per, right. uh, post Big Ten. Right. But. This, of course, is a probably a precursor to some other type of merger, and I think we are going to spend more time talking about this over the next couple of years than we talk about games in college football. Is what's yeah. happening with the alignments of these conferences? What happens if they merge these three conferences together? What are we going to call it? Let's see. Well, we're, uh, we we have West Coast, Midwest, and East Coast. This is nice. We've covered the entire. Just yeah. just call it the the Continental Conference. Continental Conference, good. Okay, there would be a total of thirty one teams. So, are you for or against calling it the Thirty Pack? Oh, I'm for that. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> yeah, right? Isn't that instant <laughs> yeah. marketing? Yeah. Right. Yeah. What about Big Pack Ack? Is that <laughs> is that any good? No, I'm leaning towards 30 pack there still. <laughs> All right. That would be a, a pretty crazy conference if they were to keep all the teams and combine those guys <laughs> together. But um, it's no more silly than the idea of an alliance for scheduling purposes and TV money only. No matter what happens, we are still marching towards, in my opinion, uh, a super conference that covers everything uh, for football. And it's one big conference with all the best programs in it. And it's where the real champion comes from every year. That is where I think college football is headed because that's where the money is. And that's what I think college football is all about. But with that, Denko, why don't we go ahead and close that segment and we'll take our final break and we'll head off the field. Unprofessional and unprepared is brought to you by this proud sponsor. Being a dad is tough. Being a dad and looking cool, even tougher. Being a dad, looking cool, and doing it in an efficient and comfortable manner that makes you look fast? Damn near impossible until now. At Cinderella for Dads, we help match you with the best pair of cool, comfortable, athletic-ish slip-on shoes for your hectic schedule. No dad has time to tie his shoes, go to work, raise kids, and satisfy his lawn care responsibilities, inside and out, if you know what I mean. Dads need to be ready at a moment's notice to take out the trash or edge the lawn at the sidewalk. Lacing up real shoes simply doesn't fit a busy schedule that includes cleaning gutters and laying pipe. For plumbing, need a sweet pair of shoes good for chasing down foul balls at a Little League game and for cruising into your local chilies for jalapeno poppers and drinks with your wife, Cinderella for Dads will slide you into the perfect memory foam slip-on shoes for any occasion. Cinderella for Dads. Looking good is for wives. Looking fast, comfortable, and ready to bring it at any age between 45 and 60, that's for you. Danko. Yep. Welcome back. Thanks, man. Final segment of the show. We had off the field. And we're going to run back an old game that I think I played without you the last time, but it's going to be, we be the judge. Oh yeah. I love We're going to make legal determinations tonight, Danko. And this is the roller derby guardians versus the baseball guardians. As you may know, 
the Cleveland Indians chose a new name for the team, apparently without checking whether anybody else in Cleveland was already using it. For some time, there is a roller derby team that has been calling themselves the Cleveland Guardians, and they are not going away quietly. Since the Indians announced the new name, uh, the Roller Derby Guardians have started to sell gear with their logo on it, which if you haven't looked at it, it's worth taking a look. You can go to clevelandguardians.com because they own the website too. And I think their logo is better than the one the Indians came up with. But on that website, you'll see that there were no posts from the Roller Derby Guardians between 2018 and 2021. And now they're suddenly recruiting new players for a 2022 season of roller derby. This comes down to, at its center, a trademark fight. Who has the right to use that logo? Uh, The Baseball Guardians actually applied for the trademark first. They registered with the U.S. Trademark Office in April of this year. The Roller Derby Guardians waited until July of this year to register that mark. The way trademark law works, in the United States at least, we don't give control of the mark to the first person to file. Ownership of the mark is actually determined if there's a dispute by figuring out who is the first to use it in commerce. And use in commerce is actually a defined term in the trademark statute. And you get trademark protection when a mark is used in conjunction with the actual sale of goods or services. So you have to actually be using the mark to get the protection and you have to be doing something with it. You can't just create a mark and then never use it in commerce and say, oh, hey, wait a minute, I've had this laying around and so you're not allowed to use it or you've got to pay me to use it. You actually need to be doing it, selling something, providing something, you have to be using it in the stream of commerce. The other thing with an unregistered mark is there is a presumption in common law, which is not statutory, that if you stop using an unregistered mark, which is what the Roller Derby Guardians had until July of this year when they registered it, if you stop using an unregistered mark for three consecutive years, it creates a presumption that you've abandoned its use. So, Danko, you now have facts and law. Uh, Mm -hmm. Give me your best argument for why the baseball Guardians get to use their new logo and name. So the best argument for the baseball guardians, I think, would would land on what you just mentioned in that the roller derby guardians for, for years, they weren't actually capitalizing on this mark. Supposedly, they, they, they're, they're doing it now, but my argument has to be for the baseball guardians. So I'm, I, I think I would lean that way where, OK, it, it was assumed that this was not a, a trademark that was being used to market anything. So I think what you're getting at. You have this gap from 2018 to 2021, which is Mm -hmm. exactly this three-year gap we're talking about, where it doesn't Mm -hmm. look like they were doing anything. And prior to that on the website, you have schedules posted, you have team photos, uh, you actually have them using a couple different logos. It's not always the main one, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't look like they're selling anything product-wise. And it certainly looks like they took a break for almost three years from doing anything. And then all of a sudden ramped it all back up literally the same month that the Indians made their announcement about the new name. And they just started selling the t-shirts now, you know, after all this has happened. So I think there's a pretty good argument for the fact that there's at least evidence that they abandoned it and they're not using it anymore. And I think that is the best argument for the baseball guardians. I'm by no means a trademark expert. So there may be nuances here that I'm missing. And to me, this looks like a case that needs to get settled because there are bad facts on both sides. You know, if the guardians weren't actually using this much, especially during that three-year period, or maybe we're never really using the logo for anything hard to say that they've they're now entitled to any protection. And even if they were, it might just be regional. So how are you going to stop the Indians from using the name all over the world, which is the way major league baseball works compared to roller derby for the Indians knuckleheads. You picked a name and a logo very close to one that's already being used by a sports franchise, so to speak in Cleveland. Like, what were you doing? Like, what were you thinking? So am it, I giving it doesn't them look- too much credit, the, the Indians? Am I giving them too much credit to say that I have to think someone in their offices did what you and I did and just Googled, Googled Cleveland <laughs> Guardians? Yeah. 
I, I would I, hope so. I would hope so. And and I w- would then hope that Major League Baseball and the Cleveland Indians, all the legal power they bring to the table went through this already and understood that, okay, we're good here. We're yeah. good. They could yeah. try something like this where now they're going to put a bunch of logos on a t-shirt and we're going to stop it and everything's going to be fine. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm giving them too much credit. I mean, we're trying to put shortstops in center field for four months, you know, so so who knows? Well, I mean, the uh, I would agree with you, and, and I'm quite certain that Major League Baseball and the Cleveland Indians have much smarter attorneys than me oh, working on don't these Don't sell yourself though. short. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I believe it firmly. But, you know, the, about the only thing that gives me some pause on that is this all did happen really quick. I mean, they registered the mark in April. They made the announcement in July. They may have made the selection of what name they were going to use in April. And maybe they just didn't vet these things well enough, which would be absurd because you're right. It's it's all you got to do is type Cleveland Guardians into Google and you're going to get to the roller derby team. It would, it would be another Cleveland thing to do though right oh boy <laughs> you know yeah. like, all right we got the fumble the drive now we have the trademark <laughs> you know it's like come on yeah man. I, I agree with you my, my my gut tells me they have this all worked out and they yeah. know that hey whatever these guys try to do we not we might not be able to stop them from selling their you know green and white different mm-hmm. logo different script use of it but they're not they are also not going to be able to stop us from doing whatever the hell we want and we are not threatened by the marketing branding of a roller derby team that I think <laughs> is like semi-pro at best. Not to talk bad about roller derby. That, no, no, not I don't want to play roller derby. That looks like it hurts. I would think that they've done that, but either way, I'm going to side with you, Denko. Good argument. I'm going to say the baseball guardians are going to win the day and be able to use their logo without any trouble from the roller derby guardians, but it should never be an issue. It no. should, we should not <laughs> be talking about this right now. Instead, Denko, we should be talking about Jeopardy hosts, because uh-huh. after months of tryouts and speculation, Jeopardy announced that it would now have two hosts pushing for more diversity. They chose a young white guy to be the regular host. His name is Mike Richards. Mayim Bialik Blossom is going to be a host for special episodes and spinoffs. Now, Richards is an interesting character because he is also the person who produces Jeopardy. So it's a lot like me being the producer of this show and then selecting myself as the host, which you did. Uh, and, and I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's working out great. It's okay. It is. It's working. out. So great. I, yeah. wait, I'm the blossom in all this. Cause I hosted one episode. You are, you are <laughs> yes. your blossom. I, I love didn't it. Think of that. Nicely done. <laughs> this is also not the first time Richards has tried this. Apparently he was a producer on the price is right. And threw his own name in the hat to replace Bob Barker when that issue came up. So is this Richard's guy onto something, Phil? Well, it seems to be working out for him finally. <laughs> if he if he's producing enough game shows and the the host ages out, passes away, or both, he throws his name into the hat and says, "Hey, I can do this." Yeah, yeah. And he hasn't been chosen until now. So all right, good for him. Well, he hasn't chosen himself until now. Is <laughs> yeah, right. How it works. Well, but, uh, oh yeah, yeah. That's strange. When it's time for Francona to step down, should Chris Antonetti name himself the manager of the Indians? If he wants, <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I, I guess he could try. Much like Jeopardy, there's got to be some board of directors or CEO or someone who's like, yeah, that's a good idea. Or no, 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 we're doing something else. So with the Indians, I think uh, ownership would probably like, listen, Chris, get back into the office. We've we've got DeMarlo Hale or Sandy Alomar Jr. or someone else as the manager. I want to thank you for making that point because it makes this next one even better. It's probably too late now, but you can't tell me that in the last 15 years, there hasn't been a time when Jerry Jones wanted to make himself the head coach of the oh, Cowboys. I and he's right the now. owner and the GM. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. That's I think he's Jerry too old Jones, now. But, yeah. I think he's too old now, but oh, there man. wouldn't be somebody to stop him from doing it, right? <laughs> no, right, right, right. Does the host of Jeopardy matter at all to you, Denko? I don't know that it matters. I, I, you know, it's one of those things where you're turning a page um, and you're following an icon of the industry, right? Like that's the game show is a great game show. The format is a great format. It's going to continue on Uh, much like the price is right. Did, you know, it it was uh, Barker's thing forever. And yeah, like, all right, but you know, Drew Carey's doing his thing and he has some traction. I don't know that he'll ever be Bob Barker, but that said, no. I don't really t- tune into to 11 a.m. game shows anymore either. So I don't know. Maybe he's doing a better job than I realized. But, you know, no doubt that he might have a 30-year, right. 25-year run on that show. That show's not going anywhere. To your question, I think, does the host matter? Eventually, yes, in that 
this could be the wrong choice and Jeopardy is going to survive it, right? If they realize it's the wrong choice, they're going to make a change again in a year or two or whatever. They do have to find that their version of Drew Carey, though, to to have that appeal. They don't want to lose their current audience. Should it um, just be Will Ferrell pretending yes. to be Alex Trebek? Wouldn't that absolutely wouldn't we tune in for that? Yeah. Well, I think that would probably in explode their audience. Like there's gonna be a whole new, a whole new demographic that isn't watching Jeopardy right now. We'll be tuning in. Can we get you know, Norm McDonald to do uh, uh what's his name? Uh, um, Burt uh, Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> great. It's interesting because you mentioned Barker and you, you talk about Trebek and you start to think of gosh, some of the like iconic game show hosts that have been hosting these shows our entire lives. And I think maybe Pat Sajak Pat is the last one, right? Yep. Yep. These guys are such big parts of those shows. And I can't even imagine the kind of money that they're making to do those shows. As they come to their end, is this when you get to find out for real whether the show lasts or not? Because is, I, I, it, yeah. is, it, is it the appeal of the host or is it the appeal of the show? Like, is, is Wheel of Fortune still going to be around when Sajak retires? Or No, that's um, an excellent, excellent point because I, I think we'll find out. We'll find out with Jeopardy now in these next few years because to your point, when Trebek and Sajak started this, it was a different world, man. Like, it was, you had four channels on TV. Right. Uh, you, you know, yeah. uh, and they were on. And, and like and, six game shows, right? right? It's not Absolutely. Like, there's a whole network now of mm -hmm. game shows. Exactly. So I guess we'll find out. We'll find out if the game matters more than the host and maybe it doesn't and that would be a shame because you're going to see a game like jeopardy and wheel of fortune probably go away then or or end up in the middle of the day instead of uh yeah time. did you lose interest in wheel of fortune when they stopped doing the panning the camera through like the fake living rooms with like the different Absolutely. prices on things and you get I yeah I bring that up all the time. I was like, do you guys remember when we used to have like the, the elevator music and we get to tour a living room or a dining yeah. room or yeah, like, they got and, all these products yeah. and stuff in there and they personally got and, to spend and there's like their big, money and yeah, yeah, there's big price tags on them. Like I'll take the end, the end table, uh, you, you know, yeah. pad or yeah. Right. Yeah. Like that was fantastic. I love that part of it. And, and I don't think they've been doing that since like the eighties. Yeah. It's been a long time. It's been a long time for that. But so hey, indoor recess. That's all I remember that I, we would watch reruns of that shit. Oh man. We never got to watch games. Game shows at indoor recess, yeah. stupid private school. Your school is a lot better. Than <laughs> Favorite game show when you were a kid. Favorite game show when I was a kid probably was Wheel of Fortune. Okay. My 91 year old grandmother watches Wheel of Fortune and in Jeopardy every day and has wow. for, I'm guessing since the beginning of those shows. Yeah. So much so that we know as a family to not call her between Excellent. 7 p.m. Oh, and 8 p.m. on any day. You're good people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it, it's just one of those things like, oh, it's, it's grandma's birthday. I got to call before seven or, oh, it's going to be too late if I call after eight. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'll catch yeah. her right after final jeopardy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm grow so growing up, uh, you know, I saw it a lot. I, I guess I would lean towards uh, the wheel for some of the reasons you just mentioned. I really like the uh, I really like the tour of the prizes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It had a really good board game too. I yeah. felt like where you could yeah. actually like turn the the letters and, and stuff. And as like a that. kid, it was something you could do, right? Like you could figure yeah. out words. Jeopardy! I was screwed as a kid. I'm kind of yeah. screwed as an adult, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. But as a, as a kid, I couldn't get that. So then maybe after that, you know, Price is Right was kind of fun too. But I, I'm gonna go with the wheel. Price of Right was really only good when you missed a day of school because you were homesick or something like that. That was the only time you were getting to you were getting to see it. I looked through a few lists of these to kind of like go back and like refresh my memory of game shows and American gladiators was listed as a game show Oh, that counts as a game show. That's exactly my question was, mm, is that yeah. really a game show? I don't think that it is. I think mine was double dare. Oh, uh, that yeah. was a great like Mark after, Summers. Yeah. yeah afternoon yeah. kids game show. And I remember watching it and just feeling like whatever kids they pulled from the audience to be on the show were so terrible at sports. They couldn't do any of these challenges. I just remember saying yeah. that, like, I'm not even that good an athlete. And I've known for a long time that I wasn't that good an athlete. But I knew I could do better than those kids yeah. at, like, filling a cup with something and they running would, across they the take, room and dumping it into a bucket to, like... They would take the physical challenge, right? Like, that was an right, option. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I did yeah. like that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I always thought I could do better than the people that were on there and just never got my chance i don't even, i didn't have an agent or anything then so i had no <laughs> idea how to get on double dare but that would have been mine real fast before we go oh no which billy idol song are you <laughs> most likely to sing at karaoke money money or white wedding ah uh, i gotta put both of these on. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
I'm going to answer that question with this question. Have, have you listened to the Springsteen song with the bleachers called uh, Chinatown? Yes. Yeah. What do you yeah. think? Good. I like it. Yeah. Great. Now I have three songs to add to the list. All right. <laughs> <laughs> he's at a, he's at a really interesting stage in his career where he is starting to collaborate with a lot of like younger yeah. artists. You know, so he did the, the, he did the song with the killers too. Yep. Um, that's, that's really, really good. And the, the one that just came out like a couple weeks ago with it's with the guy from rage against the machine right, and right, right, right. Um, the lead Spotify. singer of Pearl jam. Fr- whose, yeah. Eddie Vedder. Name Eddie I can't, yeah. Eddie Vedder. Eddie Vedder. It, it hit my, uh, my spot. ACDC yeah. song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad you. Well, the to answer that. is Moni Moni for sure. Well, of course. I mean, that just, gets it doesn't matter. Out of the seats. If you're going to karaoke, you go yeah. Moni Moni. I'm not doing white wedding in any that. karaoke. That is for damn sure. But <laughs> I have to put both songs on the list. Yeah. No, yeah. I, don't, I, I am I out of white weddings now. My next wedding's a black one. Yeah. yeah <laughs> All right. Yeah, for I sure. Just want to make sure it's as long as it's not the red wedding. I guess. <laughs> I guess we're. I'm okay. Um, but yeah, I, I like the Springsteen song with the Bleachers. The Bleachers actually did a another song with with RZA from Wu Tang. I'm like, all right, this this group is oh now you're just reaching the stats dang hey, now you're just putting stuff on i'm, the I'm bringing i'm bringing in the balance my friend i knew you were gonna bring up some shit <laughs> this isn't fair <laughs> oh it's not <laughs> maybe you should be producer and host oh wait oh wait, oh, wait. <laughs> i am yeah all right denko yeah we are out of time i am out of questions for now we just did the entire episode without mentioning that ronnie magro was fired from jersey shore or that somehow that show is still being made for some what? reason. What? Yeah, what? <laughs> oh, that's shocking news behind us. I hope you have a great week. And let's do this again real soon, maybe with some more of our friends. All right, brother. Thanks, man. He has taken a large portion of this. <clears throat> He has taken a large for the second weekend in a row. The tribe took a series from the Tigers, including run. Damn it. Barring an injury, is there any chance other than the some? Is there any chance I can speak English? Um, Barring an injury, is there any chance other than somebody? What the? Should I just answer? No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think that's the one thing we can count on with Miller is uh, lots of outtakes. (laughs) Oh my God. The best. It was funny listening to it now. Like there were some obvious times like, ah, he just got up and went to take a piss, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. that, 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 That thought was definitely on my mind. Uh, as I think of new commercials, um, <laughs> I got to come up with something for that because uh, it was pretty funny. Yeah, like do uh, something. What do they have that they have that device for for people that go to like, you know, you want to stay in your seat at a sporting event. So you have this you just pee into a bag that's attached to like a, a, a condom catheter or whatever. Like yeah. That's what Miller needs to sit through a podcast. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, the podcast. Oh, nice. <laughs> this is awesome. Write that down. <laughs> the podcast. That's fantastic. <laughs> we could actually sell that. <laughs> a podcast. Oh, that's There's awesome. like there are things that I do that prove to have no financial value whatsoever, but I do really well at them. And oh, if I yeah. could just making up fake like jingles for commercials and fake products is something I'm really good at for some reason. What happened? What was the name of the thing? Oh, the podcast. Oh, the, the podcast. <laughs> Don't forget that. Write that down. Podcast. And, and Mike and Mike Tyson has to be. <laughs> he has to be the spokesperson for the podcast, right? <laughs> and so here's the thing. Like now I've got really good outtakes for the podcast. I think I need to get it done for tomorrow. I think oh. I need to so I can do it. Do you know anyone that could do a Mike Tyson impersonation? That would be fantastic. Like just that that voice. I, I got to assume Miller can. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe we yeah. can. Uh... <laughs> I knew you were going to like more songs. I like it. Oh, ah. yeah. Oh, this is the real fast right before we go is. 
is a staple yeah. of the show until we get to uh until we get to the trip the playlist uh, but i appreciate so... i appreciate that you're you're fighting back yeah with good I, music i had to come prepared for that I'm like and oh, you right. even hit me below the belt with bringing up uh-huh. the springsteen song uh-huh. yeah i almost texted to you this week because i was listening to it i'm like oh have you listened to the song I'm like screw that i'm using this as yeah as, well as done p- potential potential weaponry during our, yeah. the final segment <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why I'm motivated to put shitty music on a playlist that we have to listen I gotta to tell you, the whole man, weekend. You don't have to anymore because we've got plenty of it. <laughs> it's <laughs> such a bad playlist. <laughs> man, we throw out some shit. <laughs> I, have a, I have a run of like the one, the one uh, scale you did where you had three bands for each level of the scale. So like the high band, the high level was Pearl Jam, U2 and Nirvana. And the low yeah. end was like Nickelback and, you know, this or that. So there's like nine bands there. I'm like, all right. I forgot nine, that I did that. Yeah, that's like nine to 18 songs. And like to search through Nickelback's catalog, I'm like, son of a bitch. Oh, it just starts at you, the one about wanting to be a rock star. That's well, it. So, that's so then when they say quesadilla. Burke, yeah, Burke <laughs> mentions some Nickelback songs by name. So we already have them on the play. I'm like, ah. <laughs> Uh, it'll be fun. What it's, an effort that you have undertaken, man. This I, I got to, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to lie, man. Like as, as much as I, I might be uh, complaining about it right now, it's fun. Like I, yeah. I get lost oh, yeah. in this. Yeah. Like, I get lost in this when I'm compiling it. I'm just laughing. I'm like, I, I'm laughing because my, my Spotify profile is going to be so messed up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. As I'm going you're, through, you're throwing like, a wrench yeah. into the algorithm. For exactly. Sure. Wait a minute. Exactly. <laughs> he can't love flume and Dolly Parton this much. Something's going wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and gangster rap and yeah, everything in yeah. between. The flaming lips. Yeah, whatever. The that, flaming that, lips. I got. A, I, I think I got. I got one song for sure. Maybe two from the flaming lips. What do you mean I'm funny? Funny like a clown. You didn't use you.